We see warning signs all about us, and they're made for our good. And nowadays, we see those beautiful orange and white barrels out on the highway, which are made to keep us safe and for our own good. Today's readings, we have spiritual warning signs, starting with the Old Testament reading, where Amos the prophet can see the plight of the Israelites in that they are headed for doom. They have forgotten the gifts that God have given them of family and livestock and grains and their health, and they turn away from God. We know that two of the biggest problems that they have are adultery and idolatry. But what Amos sees that these people are falling away from is concern for their neighbor. They're ignoring their neighbor. They're basking in their wealth and forget all about who their neighbor is or that they have to help their neighbor. And so that's the first warning sign that those of us who enjoy the riches and the goodness of our country can easily forget our neighbor, and that's what we're warned not to do. The last sentence in last week's gospel was, you cannot serve both God and mammon. And we can call it mammon, we can call it money, we can call it the riches of the world or the material goods, but we all know that they come from God and that we're stewards to take care of these things, but not only stewards and use them as God wants us to use them, but again, to share them with others. And so we get that warning sign that we have to be careful. Jesus is warning the Pharisees, but he's warning all of us who will listen to him. And then we see that there's a great, great contrast in the gospel, heaven and hell, rich and poor, those that care and those that do not care. And the rich man happens to be one of them. Even though he knows Lazarus is there, he dines in his riches, but he doesn't even give a crumb to Lazarus. And so we have to be careful when we think about what we have and how we are to share it with others. In his book, The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis talks about the devil training his young protege. And he says the best way to deceive people is to tell them they have plenty of time. And then we think back about the gospel in the rich man who built barns and filled them with the excess of grain. And then he died the next day. Our money doesn't go with us. Nothing goes with us. We're, we leave this world just like we came into it. And so, again, we have to beware. We are warned what we need to do with the treasures that God has given us. In the gospel, it also talks about the rich man going to the place of torment. And that kind of strikes a nerve with me. I remember in grade school being taught in religious classes about the difference between heaven and hell and not wanting to go to hell. And I always remember that. I didn't want to suffer like we would suffer in all eternity if we didn't follow God or we rejected God. But it was when in college that I realized how significant that was, what a deeper meaning it had. In my last rotation in veterinary school, I went through the necropsy room, or we would call it autopsy in human medicine, how to find out why an animal died. And we would do anything from like a gerbil or a hamster. And one time, a, the hippopotamus from the Detroit Zoo came in. And after we figured out what was wrong, and unfortunately, by the way, um, he died from an obstruction. Some visitor to the zoo threw a rubber ball when the hippopotamus had his mouth open, and it blocked him up, and he died. 
But then what do you do with the remains after you do the autopsy? And of course, there's a large crematory um, at the college um, at Michigan State. And we never got to see the crematorium, except one day I happened to be there. Um, I always stayed after class to see if I could learn a little bit more. And the floor was open, and I looked down into the pit. And here was this two stories down, a room about as big as the sanctuary with a roaring fire, 7,000, 12,000 degrees. I don't know what it was, but I sure didn't want to be there. I didn't want my body to be there, and I don't want my soul to be there at the end of this life. And so it meant an awful lot to me. The torment the rich man suffered is nothing that any of us want to experience. And so we take those warnings to heart. We put them in practice in our everyday life. And we recognize that if we use and see Jesus as the primary purpose, that we put mammon second and God first every day in every moment of our lives. And although we never know what's going to happen at the end of our lives, we can certainly feel comfortable that Jesus will be with us and that we will be with him. And this is a little bit off the topic, but I get an email once a week from a site called Pray for Your Priest. And there's a nice introduction and a prayer for the priest, but I don't think this is very well known, except this Sunday, today, is Priesthood Sunday in the United States, a day to sit back, remember the sacrifices our priests have made for us, and to thank them for what they have done and given their lives so that we can have the sacraments. And the best time to pray for your priest is actually when he receives Holy Communion, right before we receive Holy Communion, to say a prayer of thanksgiving, um, to thank God for his um, career, his vocation, his dedication to all of us, so that we too can follow in Christ's footsteps through the guidance of our pastor.